0: Hey, everyone. I'm so glad that I can be with you today. Today, we are starting a new series entitled Foundations. Because during uncertain times, being able to come back to some rock-solid truths that never change, well, that's terribly important. gives us confidence as we move forward. gives us certainty that God is working in our lives and working on our behalf. I hope you heard what Ben said there, that if we don't build our lives on a solid foundation— Well, things get dicey real fast. In fact, our lives can collapse. Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 6. Here's what he said. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me and then listens to my teaching and follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. Then when the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey, he's like a person who builds a house without a foundation. And when the floods sweep against that house, it'll collapse into a heap of ruins. We're going to be talking about that little parable today. Because Jesus said, if we don't get the foundation right, our lives are going to end up a mess. So We're going to talk about a foundational truth this week and every week, but today we're going to talk about the foundational confession that Christians have always made, and that is Jesus is Lord. I want to talk with you about why it's true, why it's important, and why we need to embrace that with all of our hearts today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have just to talk about a marvelous truth that Jesus is Lord. And God, I pray that today you would open our minds to what your scripture has to say. You reveal what it means to put our lives securely in the hands of the one who has authority over all things. I pray that you will speak, Lord, move me out of the way, and give us rock-solid assurance during some very uncertain times. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the first point I'd like to make today is that the Bible says Jesus is Lord. And it's not vague about it. In fact, over and over again in Scripture, Christ claims that he is the Lord, and he demonstrates that he is the Lord. There's no place in the Bible probably where it's any clearer than in Luke chapter 8. I was reading to you from Luke chapter 6 just a minute ago, but if you go over about a page and a half, we'll find Luke recording for us one day in the life of the disciples where they saw Jesus demonstrate his authority and his lordship over a whole host of things that were impossible for them probably to even imagine. It starts out this way. In Luke 8, verse 22, Jesus tells his disciples to come with him to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So they get in a boat, and they're going across the lake, and Jesus falls asleep in the boat. While he's sleeping there, a terrible storm comes up, and the water is uh, sweeping in over the sides of the boat. There's terrible wind, and the disciples are literally afraid they're going to drown. They wake Jesus up, and they said, Don't you care that we're going to drown? And it's so interesting, Luke records for us that Jesus stood up and he said, where is your faith? And then he calmed the wind and the waves and it says the disciples were terrified and they asked each other, what kind of man is this where he gives a command and even the wind and the waves obey him? Jesus is Lord over nature. But Jesus wasn't even beginning the lesson on his lordship yet. Because then, as soon as they reached the other side of the lake after the storm, they landed next to a cemetery. And in the cemetery, there was the scariest man you've ever heard of. He would run around the tombs howling at the moon. He was naked and bleeding where he'd cut himself with, uh, cut himself with rocks He'd been The local villagers had tried to chain him, but he was super strong because he was possessed by a whole legion of demons. And so they land on the other side of the lake, and out of the cemetery comes this crazy man screaming at them. And I imagine the disciples are terrified, but what's really incredible is instead of scaring Jesus, the crazy man runs to Jesus and falls at his feet, In fact, Luke 8.28 tells us that as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him, and he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. So the demons were terrified of Jesus. The story goes on to tell us that Jesus cast the demons out of the man into a herd of pigs, and the herd of pigs rushed into the sea, and they drowned. And when the local villagers came around and saw all the pigs that had died and the man who was in his right mind, they told Jesus, get out of here. We don't know what kind of man you are. And so Jesus and his disciples got back in the boat and went back to the other side of the Galilee, of the Sea of Galilee. And the story still isn't over. Because as soon as they land on the other side, a whole crowd gathers. You have to remember, Jesus is like a rock star. He heals people. He raises people from the dead. He does all sorts of amazing things. And so This crowd gathered around him to see what he would do. And in the crowd, there was a woman who had been bleeding internally for 12 years. And she just figures that if she can just touch the hem of Jesus' robe, if she can just get close enough, then he has the power to heal her. And so she touched his robe, and she was instantly healed, and she knew it. And Jesus knew it, too. And Luke tells us that Jesus turned around, and he said, Woman, your faith has made you well. The disciples now realize that Jesus had authority not only over nature and over demons, he had authority over disease. And the story still continues because while Jesus is still talking to the woman who's just been healed, a man is there begging Jesus to come heal his daughter who's also sick. But as he's talking to Jesus, some of his friends come and say, it's too late, don't bother Jesus anymore, she passed away just a little bit ago. And then listen to what Jesus says. He turns to the man and he says, don't be afraid, just have faith, she'll be healed. And then he went with the man to his house. He grabbed the little girl by the hand and he told her to get up and she got up and Luke says her life came back into her. And the disciples saw in one night and one day Jesus have complete authority over nature, over demons, over disease and over death itself. Jesus is Lord. Now, I'm telling you all that because that is good news for you and me. It means that I can trust Jesus with every part of my life. He can handle problems I can't even dream of handling. I mean, all this is amazing. And that's why it's so important. And that's why we call this a foundational truth. In Ephesians 1, Paul talked about this. He said, Now Jesus is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. You and me, followers of Christ. It's for our benefit that Jesus has been made Lord. Ah, what great news. When I say that I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm following somebody who has all the authority in the universe. The demons have to obey him. A thunderstorm has to obey him. Disease has to obey him. And death itself can't hold him. Amazing. Now, I want to make a couple of notes on this. When we talk about Jesus being Lord, I want to clarify something here because Lord is not Jesus' name. It's his title. It's his rightful title. Sometimes we talk about Lord Jesus, oh Lord Jesus. We, we throw it out there so quickly. I don't know that we're thinking about what that really means. The word Lord means master. And that's why the demons were afraid of him. He had authority over them. That's why the wind stopped. Jesus has authority over nature itself. I mean, let that soak in. And so, you know, with my son Graham, his first name is Thomas, and when he gets in trouble, he's Thomas Graham. Thomas Graham, go clean up your room, that type of thing. Well, Lord Jesus isn't just Jesus' first name that we don't use very often. It's his title. And it means that he is master of all things. When he washed his disciples' feet the night before he was crucified, here's what Jesus said. He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And in Revelation 19, 16, where John gets a glimpse of the future, and he sees Jesus coming back from heaven through the clouds, here's what he sees. On Jesus' robe, at his thigh, was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Jesus. When I'm rightly related to him, what do I have to fear? And that's why Jesus was so incredulous and said, well, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if, and then not obey me? If you, don't you know who I really am? Now, here's a life application for you and me. The Bible says each one of us must choose whether or not we will surrender to Jesus as Lord of our lives. I mean, he's Lord Of the weather, and he's Lord of death and disease and demons. But for each one of us, he wants us to come to him freely because he wants us to have a loving relationship with him where we surrender ourselves. In Romans 10, Paul talked about this. He said, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. And then he quotes, uh, scripture from Isaiah, where he says, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. And that's what it means to surrender our lives to Jesus, to trust him, to trust the one who has all authority, that he can do a better job of showing me where to go with my life than I ever could dream of. He can tackle problems I can't even fathom. And that's what Jesus offers us, a right relationship with himself the Lord of all. Mm. It is such a wonderful opportunity. And as we go through this lesson today, I hope you'll understand how much Jesus loves you and how much he wants you if you haven't surrendered your life to him to give your life to him today. Because he's Lord. He'll protect us, guide us, watch over us. And he can give us a better life than we ever dreamed of. It's foundational that we understand this. So Jesus is Lord, but secondly, I want to remind us, that little paragraph we read at the beginning of this message was, said that we're wisely building our lives on a solid foundation if we listen to Jesus, our Lord, and obey his teaching. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then don't obey me? He said, I'll tell you what it's like if you do obey me. It's like this. He said, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep, lays the foundation on solid rock, and when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. See, if I'm right, rightly related to the Lord of all, it doesn't matter what circumstances come my way. It doesn't matter if there is a pandemic or if there's an economic crisis or if I, have, if I am facing broken relationships or adverse circumstances Maybe in my job. What matters is, is that because of my relationship with Christ, he will show me what to do. He says, you build your life upon me and my teaching, man, whatever comes, you'll stand firm and you don't need to be afraid. In John 8, 12, Jesus also said, I'm the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. So you don't have to stumble around in the dark anymore. I remember when I gave my heart to Christ, that was the biggest thing that I found was as I started following Jesus' teachings and putting those into practice in my life, I found out that my life was not only better, it was leaps and bounds better. Jesus said he came to give us rich, full, abundant life. And when I began to live life his way instead of my own way, I found peace and I found joy and I found contentment I found that I could leave all my problems with him and I don't I didn't need to be worried or afraid anymore. And that's what he wants each one of us to experience. That's what he offers us through a relationship with him. And so Jesus said, "You know, if you make my teaching your foundation, you're good. You don't have to worry about changing circumstances because I'm the one that's going to see you through. You're on solid rock." But he also said that if we don't listen to him, then we're foolishly building our, our lives on things that won't last. Luke 6, 49, he said, But anyone who hears and doesn't obey, well, he's like a person who builds a house without a foundation, and when the floods sweep down against that house, it'll collapse into a heap of ruins. In Matthew's account of the same story, he says it's like a man who builds his house on a rock foundation versus a man who builds his house on sand. And every now and then I'm asked by people, they go, well, yeah, but nobody really does that. Maybe in Bible times they built a house on rock, and, but nobody would build a house on sand today. It's like, well, I beg to differ. In fact, there are a bunch of lawsuits uh, that have been filed and are still in litigation right now in San Francisco over a tower called the Millennium Tower. If you haven't heard of it, it's a 58-story, 640-foot-tall skyscraper in downtown San Francisco and it, it was built uh, to be a home for the rich and famous. The penthouse origin- in 2016 went for $13 million. You could buy a two-bedroom condo there for between 2 and $6 million, depending on what view and what floor you were on. Joe Montana lives there, all kinds of famous people. But the building is known in San Francisco as the Leaning Tower of San Francisco. Because even though it's a gleaming beautiful, amazing building, when they poured the slab and put piles down underneath it, they only went 80 feet down into highly compressed sand. Bedrock underneath that building is at 200 feet or more, and they didn't want to have all the expense of putting those pilings all the way down. So now this beautiful building, the home of the rich and famous that's been occupied since 2009, is sinking and leaning. Over the last 10 years, it's sunk into the ground about 18 inches, and it's leaning 14 inches to the northwest. And uh, there was a 60 Minutes uh, report done on this a couple of years ago, and some of the owners demonstrated what it meant to be leaning 14 inches, and they took a marble and rolled it across a hardwood floor, and the marble rolled across, stopped, and then came right back to them. And they said, we're getting out. We're in an earthquake zone, and we're in a building that's leaning. Well, some engineers since that report came out have figured out how to fix it. They're gonna put 52 more piles in around the building and they're gonna go all the way down to bedrock this time and it's gonna cost $100 million to repair. They didn't wanna have the expense when they started, but they've got the expense now. And it's not to mention all the lawsuits they're facing from homeowners whose property values have gone drastically down. And Jesus said, If that makes sense to you, well, now that it makes sense to you, that's what it's like if you hear my commands and you don't listen. I mean, if you know there's bedrock, but you don't go down, if you know there's a firm place to stand, but you don't stand there, what are you trusting in? So then the next question is, well, why would we fail to obey what Jesus tells us to do? Well, for the same reasons people failed to drill down to bedrock in San Francisco. Sometimes it's just hard to do what Jesus calls us to do. It's why when he called his disciples, he said, Hey, make sure you count the cost before you follow me. Because following me means you're going to pick up your cross daily. That means there are things you're going to have to die to. And for me to follow Jesus as my Lord, he's going to ask me to do things that make me like him humble and kind and generous and focused a lot more on God's will than on my own will. In fact, focus completely on God's will instead of my own. And so when we follow him, sometimes it's hard to do. Luke 14, 27, If you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. But don't begin till you count the cost. Uh, To give you an example of what this is like to follow Jesus and how hard it might be, a few years ago, a couple of siblings were arguing over an inheritance. And they came to see, one of them came to see me about it and said, we're just at loggerheads and neither of us are willing to budge uh, over an item that had belonged to their mom and they both wanted it. And um, the sibling that came to see me said, I just don't know what we're going to do because that's rightfully mine. Mom said she wanted me to have it. And um, I said, well, what's going to happen if you take it? We'll probably never talk to each other again. You think that's the will of Jesus? And this person had, and I had talked just a month before where they'd said, I just want to follow Jesus in every area of my life. And they said, well, I don't know. And so we got a bunch of scriptures about where Jesus said we're not to store up treasures on earth and we're to put the needs of others ahead of our own to pray for people and to be kind and to forgive people who've offended us and went through scripture after scripture on this. I said, well, I guess then what Jesus wants want me to do is he'd want me to surrender this even though I have a right to it. I said, well, yeah, I mean, it would save the relationship, but you've got to be willing to do that freely. I don't want to talk you into it. They said, well, let me pray about it. So they went and prayed about it a couple days, and they agreed that was the right thing to do, and they surrendered it. And it saved the whole relationship. In fact, the other sibling offered them half the value. Said so they couldn't be, believe they were being that kind. When we trust Jesus, he changes us. But the sibling who came to see me said, you know, it wasn't even just the way the whole thing was settled. It was an important step for me to grow up in that moment. And that was hard to do. Oh, yeah. But I asked him, was it worth it? He goes, absolutely worth it. My relationship now with my brother, which is in this case is what it was, is great. And my relationship with the Lord is even stronger. So we might fail to obey because it's just hard to follow Jesus sometimes other it also might be hard because we might be tempted to take a shortcut or to procrastinate and those are things that keep us from obeying Jesus a lot the devil tempts us just to you know instead of resolving something to go ahead and let that relationship fall apart and we just never talk to the person again well you're not dealing with the problem they're not talking to you so it's okay but it's not okay because then we miss out on all the maturity all the growth all the love that we could have experienced. And if we procrastinate, we know the right thing to do. Every day we delay, we're having to deal with a problem that the Lord says, I'm showing you the way out. Just trust me. So it's important for us to remind ourselves also that the Bible is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. Here's Matthew's account of Jesus talking about the two builders. He said, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living, they're foundational words, words to build a life on. And if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house because it was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies, but don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. And so we want to use God's word and follow it and put it into practice. And that's what Jesus said. I am a firm foundation. My words are, you can trust me. When you stand on this, you stand solid. The only question is, will we obey will we willingly surrender and say, God, I know your way is best. You are Lord of all. So here's a couple quick life applications. We must not simply pay Jesus' lip service. He's the one who said, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I mean, um, if you're a fan of the Princess Bride movie, I mean, if somebody's saying Lord, Lord over and over again, You could say, you keep saying that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Lord means master, and we have no right to deny him. In uh, Mark 7, uh, we find these words, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. The Lord tells us, Don't accept any substitutes for this. We need to trust in the Lord, in the Lord Jesus, and pay attention to every word he tells us. When we obey, our life won't only be better, it'll be rock solid through every twist and turn. And one final life application, we should give our spiritual foundations regular checkups. I mean, to find out if we're applying God's word means that we're understanding it. I mean, if I'm really going to understand God's word, I have to apply it. I need to ask myself, am I fighting God in any areas? In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul says, test yourselves to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not just mere hearsay that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, then do something about it. So how would I do that? Well, here are a couple of questions to ask myself. Am I holding a grudge against anyone? Because Jesus says we can't do that. Am I unwilling to admit that I'm wrong regarding a certain matter of behavior, even when I know I'm wrong? Jesus said we can't do that either. Is there any area in my life about which my conscience is just uneasy? Am I procrastinating on carrying out something I know God wants me to do? And is there some kind of secret that I'm hiding? Because if I allow those things to go on in my life, then I need to ask myself, is Jesus really my Lord? I mean, I could sing that on Sunday that Jesus is Lord, but the way that I demonstrate that in my life is to trust him fully. And when I know he wants me to forgive, I just forgive. When he knows, when I know he wants me to settle something with a sibling over an inheritance, I'm going to trust him that he's going to work it out. By the way, there's even more to that story. After those two brothers were reconciled, I don't know, it was maybe a month later, a, um, I shared that I had helped some brothers reconcile over an inheritance. Well, here in Prattville, I was teaching at the Marriott, and there was a guest at the Marriott who asked at the front desk if there was a church nearby. And they said, yeah, right down the hall. And so he came and sat in on a worship service that Sunday morning, as I was talking about it, he was here in Prattville because he had come to work through an inheritance issue with one of his siblings. And he said, he came up to me afterward. He said, I've never been here before. I don't know who you are. How in the world could you be talking about this topic when I'm here? I said, oh, well, that's because Jesus is Lord. He knew you'd be here. I didn't, but he did, and he brought you here to encourage you. And I prayed with that man, and that man went and reconciled with one of his siblings that day. Jesus is Lord. It's a Christian confession. It's foundational because it means we don't have to worry. He can overcome any problem, problems we couldn't even dream of facing on our own. It means that we can trust him to guide us and that his counsel will always be what's best for us. He's looking out for us before we even know we're arriving at a point of trouble. But he wants us to do more than give him lip service. He wants us to trust him and obey. So let's do a checkup today. I'm going to pray through a couple of those questions right now. And let's ask God to search our hearts and see if we're fully trusting in him. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious Heavenly Father, I want to confess you as my Lord. You are Lord over nature. Lord, you are my Lord. And Father, if there is something in my life that needs to change, would you please show me? Am I holding a grudge? Am I unwilling to admit that I'm wrong? Is there an area in my life that you've been speaking about and my conscience is really uneasy right now? Am I procrastinating on something that I know I should have done yesterday? Is there a secret I'm hiding? Oh, God, speak to me. I want to be right with you. I want to stand solid on you. Because if I'm right with you, you'll take care of everything else. If I obey, you take care of the protection, you take care of the blessing. I trust you. Forgive me for doubting. Forgive me for trying to go my own way. It's why I came to you, Lord because you know so much better than I do. Thank you for sending Jesus into this world to forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Lord, for creating a place in your family just for me. And thank you, Lord, that I can come to you anytime, day or night, and you will show me how to live. Give me the strength to obey you. And Father, help me keep my eyes fixed on you. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Now even as I was praying that prayer, if you were thinking to yourself, I don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. He's not Lord of my life. We'd love to talk to you. Please go to our website, centeringlives.com. You'll find a button there on the homepage. It says follow Jesus. Just click that button. We'll get a little information from you and then we'll talk. Surrendering our lives to Jesus, ah, that's When the good life comes, and we want to talk to you about it.